Welcome to the Better ROI from Software Development Podcast. A podcast aimed at those that fund software development and those that work with them. In a series of short weekly podcasts, I, your host Mark Taylor, hope to educate and inform on why traditional management processes won't get you the best return on your investment. And along the way, I'll provide advice on how to improve that. Hello, and welcome back to the Better ROI from Software Development Podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about open source. Open source is another largest subject, and I want to cover it, or parts of it, over the next few episodes. In this episode, I'm going to talk about it as an intro, provide an introduction of where open source is, why you might be using it, and where you would find it. What I also want to touch on in this episode is the fact that it's quite often seen as being free. And I'll talk about that as I go through this episode and why that may be a bit of a myth. There's a few other things that I'll touch on in this episode, such as motivation and licensing, two subjects that I will pick up in future episodes. So, what is open source? Wikipedia describes open source as, begin quote, open source is source code that is made freely available for possible modification and redistribution. Products include permission to use the source code, design documents, or content of the product. The open source movement in software began as a response to the limitations of proprietary code. Open source prompts universal access via an open source or free license to a product's design or blueprint, and universal redistribution of that design or blueprint. Generally, Open source refers to a computer program in which the source code is available to the general public for use or modification from its original design. Code is released under the terms of a software license. Depending on the software license, others may then download, modify and publish their version back to the community. End quote. So one of the first things I want to say about open source is it's everywhere. It's in almost every single piece of software that we use today, and most hardware. Open source has become such a force within computing that it's very difficult to not use it. If we go back maybe 10 years, it was only starting really to become available, and people didn't really understand what it was. Whereas now, it's prevalent through everything, and I'll talk about some of that as we go through. But you will currently find it in both your software your teams are building. You will find it in the laptop you're using now. You will find it in most major systems that you buy. Open source is so prevalent that it's everywhere. And you most certainly will be using it. And as a concept, it's here to stay. One of the things I really want to get across early in this episode is to talk about whether or not open source is free. Often, because we can just download it, people consider it as being free. And that often is not strictly true. Yes, downloading the source code may be free, but what are the licenses attached to it? What are the commitments that you as an organization need to undertake to use it? You need to look a bit deeper sometimes to understand exactly how free this free software is. It can often come with unexpected costs. Costs that are often accepted by technologists rather than the business 
by the technologies using the software. If anyone asks them, oh no, it's free, there aren't any licenses. And then everyone assumes that it's free to use. That isn't always true, as I'll go through in some of this episode. It's an important thing for the business to be aware of. It's an important thing for the business to understand what open source is and the potential impact on it as a business in terms of its responsibilities and the hidden costs that it may be attracting by using it. As I say, many times this is left to technologists and it's delivered by technologists without the business understanding. There is a missing piece of governance where the business is not understanding what the technologists are doing or using, so we're not in a position to know that they should be thinking about these things. They should be thinking about the costs and whether or not there are dependencies that are being accepted via their technologists on behalf of the business. So let's take a look at what I'd consider free software packages first. So these aren't just source code, but these are readily distributed software packages that can be installed. And again, these are often seen as free. So let's take databases as an example. These are seen as free in some cases. So you've got a couple of well-known software packages called MySQL and Postgres. These are seen as being free databases. Because you can download them, because they are open source, you can download them and store them. You don't have to pay a license for them. There is no license cost. As such, they can look very, very attractive if you compare them to similar database products from Microsoft or maybe Oracle, which come at license cost. Thus, you see the popularity of the databases like MySQL and Postgres, which are effectively license-free, compared to licensed products such as Microsoft and Oracle. Now, that doesn't mean that running MySQL and Postgres is free. You still need to put them on servers. That will cost money. Okay, you'd still need to put the Microsoft and Oracle onto servers, and they will cost money, so maybe you're balancing out. But you also need to support them. I find, and this is anecdotal in my own opinion, is that you need more manpower to operate MySQL and Postgres than you do the Microsoft products and Oracle once you get to a certain scale. What can seem free with MySQL or Postgres licenses, people forget that you still need to have people to run them to make them work efficiently and effectively, especially when you get to scale. And that does cost money. You need the right manpower in place to do that. You often don't get support with MySQL and Postgres, certainly not the free versions. There are community forums, but that can be slow to respond. So if you want to have a SLA for someone to respond to problems, then you'd have to go out to a support company to provide that level of support, which there are. There are companies out there that will provide you support for MySQL and Postgres. But again, you're then balancing that up against the license costs that you would have paid against Microsoft and Oracle. This is sometimes referred to as not having a neck to ring. Having someone that you've bought software from when something goes wrong, you know you've got someone on the other end of that phone to actually resolve your problems. You've got someone to effectively take ownership. If you are just downloading the software off the internet, licensed free, without having any level of support, then it's up to you to handle when things go wrong. So you have to weigh up that risk. 
Now, certainly for certain applications, that free license, maybe even not needing the support, may be a good choice. But you do need to consider those SLAs, the uptime that you need. And the larger you get, the more the costs will come in with that software somewhere, whether that's in maintenance in terms of people or whether that's going to third parties to provide you that support. With that all being said, using something like MySQL or Postgres can be a good choice versus something like Microsoft or Oracle. But you do have to weigh up those costs. It isn't free software. There is a cost to running that software. There's a cost to maintaining that software. And there has to then be an ability to support you and your systems that you're relying on for the criticality and the operation of your business. So again, you need to think about these carefully. Let's move on to source code. It's very easy for a team to take a dependency on third-party open source source code. Almost all software environments now support the ability to include other people's work into your software applications. It's often seen as a really good way of getting started, a good way of saving time rather than reinventing the wheel. Why would we do that when we can pull in this open source library to do the job for us? And that, to be honest, is a good way of moving forward on a productivity level. Increasing the productivity of the team by not having to repeat the same thing over and over again. By standing on the shoulders of giants. But in open source, there is a wide spectrum of quality. Now, there's some really, really good open source projects out there with exceptionally well-written code, exceptionally well-supported systems, exceptionally bulletproof code all the way through to complete rubbish. And to be honest, in some cases, even harmful. So when your team takes a dependency, there has to be a level of consideration as to whether the dependency they're taking is right. You as an organization, by taking that dependency, is relying on a third party. You're probably relying on somebody that's written that open source code they're going to continue to maintain it. They're going to continue to operate it and they can provide you assistance if you get stuck. A number of years ago, I released a number of my projects as open source. It solved a very specific niche problem. It was part of a growing ecosystem around a product called PhoneGap, which allowed them to do background services on Android mobile phones. PhoneGap in itself was always described as being a way of filling the gap between functionality existed at the time and functionality as it was expected to be. Now, largely now, I see the need for PhoneGap and thus my open source project that worked with it to be surplus to requirements. I don't think they need to be there anymore. The whole purpose of PhoneGap kind of has gone away because things have evolved to fill that gap. Thus the name PhoneGap. So largely speaking, I don't think my project needs to exist anymore. As such, I've not done any further development, no further work on my open source work for probably getting on towards almost 10 years. But I still occasionally have people coming back to me and saying, oh, we're using this. Oh, we're relying on this. Oh, can you help us with this? Now, for me as a software consultant, I don't have the time to help everybody. I wish I did. But from a practical point of view, I don't have the ability to help everybody that comes to me. As such, I'm letting people down and I know this. 
I know that I've let people down by people taking dependency on my software, but me as a single contributor maintaining these libraries. I honestly cannot justify my time to maintain that for a handful of people around the world that may still need to use it. So if you're on the receiving end of that and you're the organization that has relied on my software to be able to do something, then what happens then? You're stuck. I can't help you or I'm not prepared to help you. I'm not able to help you. But you've taken a dependency. This is why I think you need to be very careful about what products you take dependencies on and whether or not we expect them to be supportable and maintainable. Now, in the case of me, I've largely said, I'm sorry, but I'm stepping back from that. I see no purpose for it. I see no need for it anymore. Other people, again, through life decisions, may have to step back from the project. Or it may take a completely different direction, one that doesn't work with what your company needs it for. In March 2016, a story floated about how someone had broken a good chunk of the internet by removing one of these open source packages. If you look for the left pad story, you'll find articles about where various software systems all relying on this one actually very simple open source library called LeftPad suddenly all broke. It all broke because the author had had a falling out with the site that was hosting the LeftPad library and had removed it. So many other software packages took a dependency on that LeftPad library that great swathes of the internet were broken. So many people's source code would no longer work because they were unable to get that library. Again, this is talking about whether or not it's appropriate to take that level of dependency. A growing problem around open source is also the security of the supply chain. You're again taking that dependency and that reliability on a third party, one that you don't necessarily know, almost certainly you don't know. You've never met, you have no contractual obligation, you have no legal liability with. And the danger is they become a security exploit for your software by allowing security problems into theirs, whether by accident or even by design. There are a number of instances where people have bought projects to basically then use that existing user base as a means of exploiting for security, for security implications. And over time, I can see the likes of supply chain attacks becoming more and more prevalent, where high dependency open source projects are corrupted, are attacked, are exploited, allowing attackers to exploit many, many people's code that rely on it. The other thing I wanted to touch on briefly in this episode was licenses. I'm going to cover it a bit further in another episode, but in this episode, I just wanted to make you aware that there are a number of licenses that open source can be made available from. Open source is not always free, even monetary or commitment-wise. Different licenses will put legal responsibility on you as the user of that software, and you have to understand what those responsibilities are in terms of how you're allowed to use it, where you're allowed to use it, and what you need to do if you then make any further changes to it. I'll talk about it more in an upcoming episode, but at this stage, I just wanted to make you aware that they are released with licenses that you need to abide by. In this episode, I've introduced open source. It's definitely here to stay, and it's very valuable. It's important to computing and software development as a whole. 
It almost certainly will be in use in your organizations, whether it's in your software development, whether it's on your laptop or whether it's in your servers. But the key thing we need to understand is that it's not free. There are risks attached to it. There are management costs to it. There are governance costs to it. You cannot just assume that it's a free product and that's it. As such, there's a growing ecosystem of tools around making sure that licenses are correct, making sure that the security is correct, making sure that dependencies are understood. And it's something that maybe as an organization, it's something you want to start looking at as you grow. Because while open source is something you will definitely have to use, you'll definitely be using. You also need to make sure that you've got that governance and that control around it, that you're not taking dangerous dependencies, that you're not breaking contractual licenses, making sure that you're using it in a way that it's intended, safe and legal. And I think that's where the ecosystem of growing tools will help you going forwards. In next week's episode, I want to talk about the motivation behind why open source exists and why people spend time doing it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. This podcast has been hosted by me, Mark Taylor. It has been produced by Red Folder Consultancy Limited, a consultancy that can help you achieve better return on your software development investment. You can contact them or have a say on upcoming podcast topics at red-folder.com slash podcasts. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at redfoldermark. If you're getting value from this series, please tell a friend and help me grow my audience. Thank you.